Hello and welcome to the Courageous Badass Podcast, the place to be for inspiration on visibility as an entrepreneur and inspiring stories by courageous badasses who made a huge change in their lives and who were willing enough to share their journey with us. Here's your host, the lovingly merciless Dutchie, Nicolina Huizinga. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode with ordinary people with extraordinary stories about their transformational moments in life. And today we are talking to the amazing Laura Smothers Chew. Hi, Laura. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you for being here. So please introduce yourself. Sure. So I am the CEO and founder of Befriended Heart, and it is a for-purpose business where I help daughters navigate their parents' dementia. That's really, uh, that's really something. I really want to know everything about that. <laughs> and I'm sure <laughs> we'll dive into it, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Excellent. Excellent. So I'm really curious to hear your story. So before we dive into the transformational moment and the change you made, um, could you take us back to the moment before that? What did your life look like then? Sure. So I um, was 28 years old and um, I was working at kind of my first real job. And when I say real job, I mean, you know, I was getting a salary. It was after I had gotten my master's degree, um, maybe like a year or two before that. Um, I, I had moved to DC after I got my master's degree, Washington, DC. Um, and I was just trying to pay the bill. So I was, you know, waiting tables. I was, um, hostessing at a restaurant. So, um, you know, before I had gotten my, my salary job, I was working, um, as a hostess at a pretty nice hotel restaurant, but I was also working part-time, um, helping at a nonprofit that, um, provided resources for domestic violence victims. Um, mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to go into nonprofit. So that's kind of how I was starting to build my nonprofit career. Mm -hmm. So um, when I was 28 and, um, you know, my real job was um, being a manager at American Academy of Nursing. So um, I, you know, it was my first manager job. I was very excited that I had, I was actually using my education, um, you know, in a, basically a public affairs school. And um, yeah, it was, it was just a very good time in my life. Wow, that sounds really good. Oh, I can imagine, you know, as a 28 year old and you're just, you know, getting, getting to find your way in life, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I had, I had an idea that um, I wanted to work with elders because I just had always um, had great relationships with my grandparents and also my parents. My parents were a little bit older and, um, you know, I'm an only child. And so um, I was very close with my parents. And so I knew I wanted to go into the elder care industry, but it was really hard to break into that. Okay. And, um, and I, for some reason, you know, wasn't getting any jobs that were in that area. So I was just sort of trying to aim for the healthcare industry and hope that I would get there somehow. Okay. Okay. So what happened at that point? Um, I mean, my transformational moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was visiting my parents and as I had for, um, 
you know, I wasn't able to see them very often because they, they live about three and a half hours away. But, um, you know, I was there for one of my four visits a year, I would say. And um, I noticed that my dad was sadder and, um, and he never really expressed his emotions very openly, but he seemed more sad than usual. Um, and he seemed more confused than usual. Um, and he had mentioned to me that he felt like something was going on. Um, like he wasn't able to, you know, for example, start the lawnmower and we needed to have neighbors come over and help. And, um, you know, originally this looked like, oh, well, this thing broke, I need to get a new one. And of course, you know, okay, well, that's what happens to things, you know, (laughs) um, And so it didn't really occur to me. And then I did, um, you know, I I was noticing that he, um, when I would talk to him on the phone and we, we, you know, were and are very close. And so I would be able to tell him my very long, you know, winded 20 something year old stories. (laughs) Um, And, um, and I would notice that he would, like not remember what I had, what I had talked to him about the last time that we were on the phone. Um, and you know, I think we all do this, um, where if something changes, we sort of, we get frustrated. And so I just thought, well, dad's not listening and he's very distracted and I don't know, you know, why doesn't he love me? You know, that type of thing. And so I would get frustrated with him. And, and of course now I'm just like, I kind of hang my head in, in shame because, you know, it, he, it wasn't intentional at all. And, you know, he was having the, the first, um, signs of dementia. So, um, I had, when he, when I was visiting him, this was, you know, after I had had these phone conversations with him, um, you know, I noticed that something wasn't right, I guess. So I was kind of putting all these things together in my head and working in the healthcare industry. I thought, you know, maybe there might be some signs of mild cognitive impairment, which is really kind of the first diagnosis before um, someone gets diagnosed with dementia and myocognitive impairment can reverse. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you know, the person will have dementia, but there's a, a probability that they will. So, um, so anyway, I could tell that my mom wasn't noticing anything strange. And my dad was kind of looking at me like, can you please help me? You know, he didn't say that, but his eyes said it to me. Um, and so I, you know, took charge being the only child. And I, I think my mom, it was a little too overwhelming for her at the time. Um, and so the three of us ended up going to um, a neuropsychologist and getting a assessment. Um, and they found that he had um, mild cognitive impairment. So, so in that same weekend, as if that wasn't enough, <laughs> Um, I had, I remembered hearing that, um, my, my dad was driving my mom on the highway and they had kind of gone on the side of the road and sort of, um, uh, scratched the car, like on a sign, my dad, when my dad was driving. And that was very, very unlike my dad. I mean, he had, um, he built his own race cars and raced them in his twenties, he loved driving. He was a very good driver. He actually taught me to drive stick shift, you know, so this was kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, you know, 
it's probably a good idea to have a conversation with him about the safety, you know, his safety, my mom's safety and safety of other people on the road, because at that point he was realizing that something was not right. Um, and so I was still able to reason with him. Um, and so, um, since my mom was uncomfortable with doing that, I sat down on the couch with him and, you know, put my head on his shoulder and I said, you know, dad, it's, I'm really worried that, you know, about your safety and mom's safety and people's safety around you. And I'm noticing that maybe your, um, response time isn't as good. And, um, and I had noticed that too, when I was, um, when I was, in the passenger seat when he was driving, like his uh, perception was a little bit off as far as where the curb was and that kind of thing, which is, mm. which was not very normal. So, um, so yeah, I mean, he kind of shook his head. I could tell he was really uncomfortable with it. He was close to crying. I was crying because <laughs> cool. it was really tough. Um, and he, he agreed. So um, he hasn't driven since then. And honestly, I feel very lucky because I've heard um, you know, many stories from um, people I've worked with and um, caregivers that I've talked to that it's been a lot harder of a process. So I feel blessed in that way. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Oh my goodness. That must be really hard to tell your own dad that it's not actually a safe thing to drive anymore. Especially a guy who was a race car driver, you know, I mean, that was like, that was his definition of independence, yeah, you know, of the last thing to, to be taken away. Yeah. And, um, thing, right? yeah. 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 And so, um, and sometimes he jokes around and kind of like when we go to the car, he'll start to walk to the driver's side and I say, Oh, ha, ha, no dad, you're going to be over here. You know, <laughs> he sits in the passenger seat, but he still, you know, tells us when cars are coming, he tells us when the light changes, you know? And so it's really important for him to, still feel like he has a purpose and he really is helpful in that way. So. Yeah. I think that's really important that, um, because especially when people know something is off, yeah. then I, what I, I mean, my mother-in-law suffers from dementia and Alzheimer's mm -hmm. and, and she tried to, to hide it and from the very first beginning. She really tried everything to, to cover it up, which, and, and I totally understand that. And then at a certain point, when you do realize something is really off, then, oh, it must be really tough. It must be really tough. So, yeah, and, you know, like, we're all different as people. And um, that's, you know, <laughs> that's like the biggest change that I could think of for someone to experience. I mean, your life just um, transforms before your eyes and you're transforming and you, yeah. you know, you can't control it. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what my reaction would be. Um, so it's, it's understandable how everyone reacts to it differently. And some people do try to ignore it and kind of proceed as is until someone finds out. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So what was that like for you being an only child to, to deal with all of this? Because it's, it's a huge thing, right? How did it's you, a huge, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a huge thing. And, um, you know, honestly, I feel in some ways that, um, you know, in, in my belief that like, I feel God set, set me up for that um, because I was already in the healthcare industry. I was already in the nonprofit area where I saw all of these resources 
that were available to me that may not be available to like the average person mm -hmm. that's getting this, you know, diagnosis for their parents. And, um, and honestly, you know, um, I've like, <laughs> I've always been kind of bossy and now you call it like assertive as a, as a young girl. And it's actually been very helpful. I mean, I am a boss now, you know, and I was a manager. And so I, I felt like it was something that, um, with my skill set and with um, the um, stage that my mom was in, that she wasn't yet ready to accept it, that I felt mm -hmm. like I didn't really have a choice but to take the lead. And, mm -hmm. um, and my dad normally would have taken the lead on that type of thing, you know, um, mm -hmm. but now I felt like I needed to, to take his place. Yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What a role you have. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, and I'm not going to say like, it was easy. No, <laughs> you know? no. Um, my, my dad is um, in the late stages of dementia now, and there's, there's always a challenge, you know, with the, um, as the ability to talk or to move, you know, decreases and um, it's, it's hard to deal with that constant loss. Um even as a daughter, you know, I'm not even living with, living with him on a regular basis, but it's still very difficult to, to visit and spend time with him. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like um, it is possible to have this diagnosis for your parents and have a positive approach to it. So, um, you know, accepting that this is the diagnosis and this is what, you know, you're going to expect, but these are the decisions you can make ahead of time. Like, you know, why not make sure that the power of attorney is updated? Why not make sure that your parents have enough finances? Because it's not, this is what I learned too, is, is it's not just your parent with dementia that you need to take care of and um, make sure that they, you know, have enough money in their bank account. It's also um, the other parent, you know, in my case, my mom, and yeah. make sure that she has enough money for her long-term long care. Um, because honestly, um, caregiving they've found is like, especially with dementia is the absolute, one of the most absolute stressful things you could possibly do. Um, especially, you know, my mom, when she is like in her sixties. So, um, yeah. And I, I needed to, um, you know, convince her to, and I'm sure she was thinking this already, but to retire from her job because, you know, someone really needed to be with my dad full time. So it was definitely like very difficult and it continues to be difficult. And I think the, the way that I find my way through it is, you know, educating myself and, you know, um, looking at, I've been researching dementia for the past six years since my dad was diagnosed. And so, um, you know, I know the resources to go to, I have, um, I go to presentations, I bring on, um, you know, guest experts to, help other caregivers understand what the best tips and techniques are in a positive and practical way. Mm. So how do you, how do you make that happen? I mean, you, you, you said earlier, you live three and a half hours away from your parents. So how, how do you make that work? Because I can imagine you, you, you're drawn to them like a magnet because you yeah. want to be there, right? Especially as an only child. So how Absolutely. do you deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I think the biggest feeling um, you know, I think every, everyone feels this in the family when, um, someone gets diagnosed with dementia is that you feel helpless because you don't, you don't know <laughs> what you don't know, first of all, yeah. and then you don't know what you can do that could really help, you yeah. know? 
Um, and so, yeah, it was super tough. And, um, I, you know, I also wanted to spend time with my dad because I mean, dementia, as much as, you know, you can plateau and some stages could be for like 10 years. It just depends on the person. But, um, you know, you notice that when you visit, um, you know, as the years go on that there are significant changes that occur and, um, it, it's, it was, and is hard for me to not, you know, see every day. It's sort of like, you know, not that adults are children, but just so people can understand, it's sort of like, you know, visiting your um, nephew and he's a baby, right? And then a couple of years later, you just missed all these firsts, you know, and, it, you know, except we have Facebook now, but that's not the case with, with my dad. Um, and so you just feel like you're missing out on so much and, and you want to help. So, um, so what I did was I figured out what I could do from my position. Um, so like, for example, in, in my case, my mom, and I think so many, um, you know, primary caregivers. So the person that lives with the person with dementia go through this, Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're so overwhelmed and it's understandable, you know, um, because you need to go day to day with this person and you need to play it by ear and you need to manage your own life in addition to taking care of the person with dementia and basically manage their lives as well. Now, you know, um, that, she wasn't like she could do the day to day, but she was not even thinking about like the financial implications, the legal implications, um, researching, like thinking in the future. Um, and so I basically did those things and, um, I did those things. I think I did tell my mom a little bit, but I didn't want her to feel guilty for not, you know, um, being in the same stage that I was of acceptance. Yeah. And um, so I was able to figure out certain things that I could do um, on, you know, in the background. And that's mm -hmm. something that, um, that I really think that um, caregiving daughters that are especially long distance, um, you know, secondary caregivers like me could mm -hmm. know, you know, um, and maybe like watch my channel, find out tips and techniques. And so what I would do is I would get, I would have all of this research and all of these concepts and figure out, you know, what was most, um, what would resonate most with my dad, especially the way that he's handling dementia and what stage he's in yeah. and kind of come up with like, you know, three recommendations and show them to my mom and say, Hey mom, this is what I'm learning. This is, you know, what I'm working. And of course there was a transition for her too, because I'm her daughter, you know, I'm her only daughter. <laughs> and so, um, she needed to kind of go from like, okay, my daughter is giving me tips and maybe sometimes like suggesting what I should do, <laughs> um, which might come off as criticism. Um, yeah to, you know, oh, well, she works in this industry. She has a lot of great connections. You know, maybe there's a reason why, you know, um, she has those connections and maybe, you know, I should, I should take advantage of those and not overwhelm myself by thinking about all these things when my, when like, I just can't. And, and I talk to primary caregivers now and I, I completely understand, you know, um, there's just so much that they're dealing with, especially because their role is changing too, right? So like their partner who was equal and could do their own things and, you know, um, had their own um, 
identity and could start the lawnmower, you know, (laughs) now can't. And so um, you, in my case, my mom as a wife needs to now take over those duties. And honestly, you know, my dad kept his finances like pretty close to his heart. And for that reason, my mom didn't really know how to do any of the, you know, banking or things like that. Um, Mm. She didn't know, um, you know, kind of those, those types of things that now like my generation learns just because we live on our own for longer. Um, but it's totally understandable with the culture that she grew up in and, um, yeah, yeah, so it's tough. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine that it, that is a huge transition for your, for your mom as well. And, uh, and it's really the role changes from, well, being a wife, from being an equal partner to being a caregiver, yeah. and and to, and that's just just the role. And then, of course, you know, there's this whole emotional side to it that you see your partner changing, and and I can really imagine that's that's really tough. Um, so yeah. I'm really interested to know because you said earlier you said that something like this could you could turn it into a positive thing and you can accept what, what happened. So how did you do that? Um, it was a lot of, I mean, honestly, the, the dementia diagnosis, I think for everyone is very much like a roller coaster. You know, Mm -hmm. there were some days that, um, I would be okay with it. I would appreciate, you know, what things my dad could still do. Mm-hmm. Um, I could appreciate, and still now, you know, even in the last stages, I can appreciate that we love each other very much and I can show that I love him very much. And I'm appreciative that I know some people can be combative or negative. And luckily, you know, my dad was actually, um, he could be very critical and he could be very, you know, that's kind of where I got my bossiness from. <laughs> and honestly, like we've been blessed in the sense that, um, you know, and I definitely don't take this for granted that he's just become just, um, very happy and laughing. And I mean, he's, he had to take antidepressants, of course, like right after he got the diagnosis, but, um, even still like it, it could have gone a completely different way. And so, um, he's very loving and very helpful and, um, yeah. So, um, I feel very good about that, but it didn't make the process easier, you know? Um, So like there were some days, like I said, that I was really happy about what he could still do. And then there were some days that, you know, I would cry with my boyfriend and, you know, at that time he was my boyfriend, I was my husband. Um, But, you know, and just sob and say like, this is the thing that he can't do anymore. And it, it, you know, it really hurts me and I want to be able to do something. And so that's really kind of how I, um, you know, figured out like, okay, there's this diagnosis and and a lot of material out there. It's like, once you get the diagnosis, it's very depressing. And you just read like, okay, this is how long my parent has to live. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. And which, which is really tough as like a 20 something, you know, a 28 year old. And I didn't have any friends that were going through the same thing. Um, So um, I kind of decided like, I want to create 
a positive and um, like a positive experience for long distance daughters who are secondary caregivers that mm -hmm. feel like they're helpless and know that they're not helpless and that there is, you know, I feel like there's a missed opportunity for daughters to work with their other parent who's the primary caregiver, you know, mm -hmm. because as the primary caregiver, you're inside, you know, the forest. And so you can't see the forest through the trees. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the daughter can help with that, especially because, um, you know, the long distance is actually could be kind of a good thing in the sense that you're not um, going through it every day. And so you can kind of be a little bit more um, emotionally removed um, and be a little bit more objective. So like you have a different perspective so you can kind of see when things are declining yeah. um, more than the parent that's, that's living with them. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's what I do. And I, um, I educate people kind of like, you know, um, what can you appreciate right now? And um, what are the different ways that you can engage with your parent that may not look like what they used to, but um, how, you know, love is so important regardless of what stage they're in. And they're, I really believe that they're still the same person. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's good to think that dementia is taking over your loved one because that will just create negativity that we are already surrounded by in society because dementia is such a stigmatized topic that I feel like I want to create enough positivity to fight that. I think that's so amazing because I saw some of your videos that you create um, with, well, you know, dealing with, with dementia in your family and with a parent who has, I think that's, that's really lovely. So you're an, an advocate for yes. turning this into, well, into a positive experience yes. instead of the, the negative ideas that well, are generally out there around mm -hmm. the topic of dementia. And, um, and I think that's really, that's really amazing how you do that. So, um, so that's, that's really great work. Yeah, that's lovely. So in what sense would you say this whole experience changed you as a person? You know, I've, I've actually, so I, um, grew up Presbyterian and then I ended up like, um, identifying more with United Church of Christ because they were the most kind of liberal Christianity. They were accepting to LGBT. Mm -hmm. Um, they were, um, you know, accepting to African-Americans. Um, and, but I think since this, the diagnosis, um, I really felt like I needed to be more empowered for myself. And to me, um, you know, Christianity is more like God will help you through. And I think that does help me, but I needed more, I needed to have more, um, I don't know, empowerment for myself, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, because I feel like with dementia, you're, you feel like you're depending on the doctors to tell you what's going on. And it's not really, you're not really told like, well, do your own research, find out your own techniques. Maybe you should get a second opinion from the doctor because they don't know everything, right? Because there's still not a cure for dementia. Um, and, you know, I, um, I kind of got more into like the mindfulness and, you know, appreciating the moment. And, you know, now I go to, to mindfulness class and I actually share it in my videos because I think they're, they're such important, um, 
you know, it's such an important technique, I think, to really appreciate what's going on in the moment and sort of stop your, they call it like drunken monkey minds. Um, yeah. So I kind of call myself like, you know, um, I'm a follower of United Church of Christ, but I also appreciate mindfulness and um, Buddhist principles. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I honestly, like, I didn't see myself kind of going over to um, mindfulness this much, but it has super, it's really just helped me so much um, in realizing that I do have the power to make a difference, you know, in my attitude and, um, you know, using my strengths and my skills to help my parents and create a good quality of life for them. Yeah, yeah. So, so how is your dad now? Because you said he's in the, the, well, more or less the final stages. So how is he at the moment? Yeah. So, um, I had a, a wonderful Christmas that I, um, I posted a video about like, um, and I just feel so grateful that he's doing well. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, um, my mom hired a care, a home caregiver. So from an agency, to come over and she comes over now five days a week and I can tell like, and I've, I've been there when she's there and she's, um, you know, really goofy with him. And I noticed that, you know, when he was opening presents, he said phrases that he hasn't said in years. Um, yeah. And so there are, you know, there are some other aspects of him that are declining. And I think that's kind of the strange thing about dementia is like, you don't, and it's very, it's actually very heartbreaking too. It's like, you don't know what thing is going to be lost and how much you missed it until yeah. it's gone. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, he was saying these things that he hasn't said in years and it was just wonderful. And, um, he's just happy in general. And, um, yeah, so he's kind of at a plateau right now. Okay. Um, but, my mom is now understanding that it's a good time to move closer to me. So after five years, they're finally moving closer. That's right. <laughs> um, That's right. Yeah. So we picked out a place for, um, for my mom to live. And then my dad's going to move to um, a place called Arden Courts, which is all memory care. And so he'll get the direct care he needs. It's going to be seven minutes from my house so I can visit him, you know, as much as I want. And it'll just be really great. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. So, so how is your mom doing in the whole, in this whole situation? Yeah. So my mom has gone through like, I mean, I would say more of a transformation than I have, honestly, um, you know, from not being ready to accept a diagnosis, um, to accepting the diagnosis, but not really understanding how it's going to change her life to, you know, reading a book, about dementia and the stages to to understand and then she started going to support groups and luckily she was going you know she was luckily she was going to a therapist i think the whole time which was super super helpful um because i think some people shy away from support groups um just because they don't want to be depressed even though i highly recommend you go to one but if you're not quite at that point yeah. Um, you know, I think it's always really good to go to a therapist that understands, yeah. um, because honestly I go to a therapist, you know, I talk about what, what my dad's going through. I talk about, you know, my dynamics with my family because I don't, 
you know, it's part of my like self care. And so the mindfulness means a lot and going to those sessions means a lot, but, um, going to a therapist is also really necessary. So, um, yeah, so she was, she went to a therapist, she went to support group, she learned how to manage the finances. She learned, you know, where we had, um, stocks and how to manage those. And, um, I'm sure I'm forgetting something, um, you know, like, taking care of the house, um, paying vendors to, you know, come over and do the lawn care. I mean, none of that stuff, like she wasn't in charge of any of that stuff. So, um, so she has become empowered too. And she, you know, um, went from not really, um, like eating junk food and not really caring what she was eating to eating super well, doing, you know, aqua therapy because she wasn't comfortable working out because her knees had arthritis. So now she does aqua therapy. She's lost like a lot of pounds. Um, and I could just tell like she manages her stress and it is such a stressful job, you know, um, she manages her stress like so much better. Mm. So I really notice a difference. Wow. That's amazing. That's really amazing. So you shared one advice already what other advice would you have for people who are in a similar situation you know i think it's important to be positive but you can't be positive all the time and if you're positive all the time then you're actually pushing those feelings down Mm. and they're going to come out in like a not ideal type way like at your job or you know in a group of friends that idea that's ideal right it'll come out in a group of friends but you know um honestly like our society is still you know i speak to like the united states of america because i feel like we're not quite as evolved as you know europe um in accepting this and knowing that this is sort of the fate for a good percentage of people at this point i think it's important to let your feelings flow through you. So if that's like crying for seven days straight, um, you know, or if that's being angry um, and talking with your therapist or writing in your journal, or, you know, in my case, talking to my husband and, um, you know, it's um, really necessary that you do that because that's a way of processing your feelings. And, um, And I made sure that I didn't share this with my mom because I knew that she was going through her own journey that was much more difficult than mine in many ways. Um, And actually that ended up being like a little bit of tension between us because she felt like I wasn't as upset as she was. And so, you know, we got into a a fight um, when I visited her and I just started crying and I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to tell you what to do. I love dad. I love you. I'm, you know, I'm just going from what I understand, um, about dementia and what, you know, I think will provide like a really great life for you. And, you know, you're of course the one that makes the final decision, you know, but, um, you know, I want you to know how much I care about you guys and you took care of me. And so I want to take care of you. Um, so once I said that and kind of like basically broke down, you know, um, she understood that like I was, we were really on the same page. Um, and that, um, so that was really good, but I think the way I did it where I, you know, 
um, for most of the process, I didn't tell her how I was feeling. And I just, I listened to her. And I also recommended that she, she find a therapist to talk to as well on a more regular basis. Um, you know, that we, I was able to get through it first and then I, I'm kind of helped guide my mom a little bit. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can imagine. I mean, that's so important that, I mean, my mom just once told me that her own pain is something that she can deal with, even though it's tough, but seeing her child being in pain, she said that that's really, it's, it's too much to bear. She said, my own, my own sadness, my own pain is something like, like a stone I can chew on, but the pain of my child is really, so I think it's, it's great that you, you know, you found another way to deal with your own emotions. And I think that's such a valuable advice for people going through a similar uh, situation. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And I think um, evolutionarily, like when we have babies, you know, that's, you know, they're our survival. Right. And so um, I could see why she feels that way. And in addition to, you know, she would not only need to carry the burden of my pain, but also my dad's pain. Um, So I I didn't, I didn't want to do that to her. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And that's really too much, too much for one person to, to carry all of that. Yeah. 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 So um, what is it that you share in your videos for the people who watch this? Um, why should they watch your videos? Because well, I know why, but <laughs> tell our viewers why they should be watching your videos. <laughs> yeah. For, so thanks for watching a few of my videos. Um, so my idea is that I want this journey in dementia that, you know, to be positive where it can be. Um, and also practical. So, you know, when I first got my dad's diagnosis, I would look at, you know, um, these websites of famous organizations that handle this. And I was just overwhelmed by all of the articles and, you know, the way the website looked and I didn't know where to find the things that I needed to find. Um, and, um, and honestly, Alzheimer's Association was extremely helpful. Um, it helped me find, actually, I'm just remembering, it helped me find a support group in my area, which was super helpful. And that's how, why I was recommending it to my mom, because it was, um, it's really great to know that you're not alone. It can be very isolating, um, especially as a 28-year-old and none of my friends having gone through this or yeah. going through it. Um, and so I needed to find a community of people that would understand. So that was really good. Um, but for me, I want it to be very, I want it to be, um, you know, accessible to people who may not be able to pay for a consultant to know like, okay, so there's all this information out there. Like, what do I need to know? The top three things I need to know when my parent is diagnosed or, you know, I, on also the, the channel, I answer very specific questions that I get from caregivers, whether it's primary or secondary caregivers. Um, and I also bring in guest experts. So this year I've done an interview with, um, you know, one guest expert a month and it's really, it's kind of like, um, the whole span of experts that, um, you know, where dementia affects their, their daily job. So I'm planning to bring in like a financial planner, um, an elder care lawyer. Um, um, let's see, I just interviewed, 
one of my friends about how to communicate with someone with dementia and she um, is the director of um, activities and outreach. So she has a lot of really great suggestions. Um, last month, I interviewed a nutritionist who talks about what you can eat and how you can change your lifestyle to actually prevent dementia in the future. And I've already started doing some of these tips myself That's and I've huge. noticed a, a big difference. So I. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed a really big difference in just, um, my daily life and how much energy I, and motivation I have, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. So what I'm trying to do is really bring together what I think um, are the best resources based on my personal experience and also on pro my professional experience. So um, I did get a certified senior advisor credential the end of last year, which is pretty hard to get. Um, there's a big hard test I had to take. Um, and that kind of helped me understand the whole lifespan of elders from when they retire to when they pass away and end of life. Okay. Um, and also I am a certified dementia practitioner, so I'm certified to speak um, and teach people about dementia. So I kind of meld those together and, and that's what this channel is. Amazing, amazing. I mean, people watch those videos. I mean, it's 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 really great. I think it's great that you do this, and um, and and like you said, you know, just um, making this information available, especially since it's such a stigmatized topic, and all these aspects that you're mentioning here, like financials, communication. Um, all these aspects are so important. It's so important. So we need more uh, attention for that. So thank you for bringing that to sure. the world, basically. So yeah, absolutely. And I, I love being an advocate because I notice, you know, for dementia and um, it's funny because as you get older, you realize that the traditional medicine is very limiting. Yeah. Um, and looking outside. And so um, in a lot of different places, like in my health and other things, I'm seeing that there are, um, there's more information out there, you know, and so I'm trying to bring a different point of view to that. I love that. I really love that. So we will be sharing your social links. Awesome. Thank you. The interview. And so people will be able to reach out to you and I'm sure they will. Uh, because it's uh, it's really great work that you're doing and I really want to thank you for sharing your story with with me and with our audience because I think people will love it and uh, will be inspired by it so thank you so much for this well thank you so much for for having me um, on this you know interview and I hope to hear from all of you and I look forward to staying in touch with you Nicolene Definitely. I will. I will. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Courageous Badass Podcast. For free resources and downloads, head over to flickthefucketswitch.com. If you love it, subscribe, rate, and share it with your friends. Until next time.